Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Good afternoon and welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game. I'm Trent McGee and PJ this afternoon who's taking some much-deserved R&R. Today and tomorrow, he'll be back on Tuesday because, Ben, you guys are taking Monday off too as well, right? So, PJ, uh, getting a nice four-day relaxing weekend with his bride. So, hope that those two are having a great time. I'm glad to be with you though here this afternoon. Five o'clock on Thursday, one day closer to the Memorial Day weekend. Joined by producer Ben Byron. Ben, good seeing you again. Hey, Ben. Good to see you, Trent. It's been a while. It has been a while. You and I normally hook back up when we do, when I fill in for PJ, so it's always good to see you. I hear you every day, but it's good to see you. And if you don't get to uh, to hear Ben here on the Patrick Johnson Show, you can hear Ben during ECU's baseball coverage as he gives the Town Bank scoreboard updates, as he has all season long. You do a great job with that, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. Keep that up. Speaking of ECU baseball, the Pirates are trying to lock down win number 40 on the season tomorrow. We'll have the action for you right here. On 94.3, the game beginning at 1 o'clock, 12.45 airtime. And it's looking like the Pirates will take on UCF. And, Ben, you gave me that score just moments ago. Right now, UCF up 12-1 to in the bottom of the fifth over Memphis. Is that correct? It still stands. So, coming up at 5.15, we'll speak with the voice of ECU baseball, Corey Glore. And we'll get his thoughts on the Pirates and what the outlook is moving forward. The 64-team field for the 2021 NCAA Division I Baseball Championship will be announced on Monday. Regional tournament at 16 sites begin on, I should say, regional tournament play begins at 16 sites on Friday, June 4th. Will ECU be a top 16 national seed? What do you think, Ben? I think so. I do too. I think the win over Cincinnati yesterday in what was a marathon of a game got them in. I thought even if the Pirates lost yesterday. Of course, they lost to Memphis 11-1 to on Tuesday. I still think the body of work throughout the season is good enough and would have been good enough to get the Pirates in. We'll get Corey's thoughts on that and more coming up. Now, having said that, of course, if the Pirates had beaten Memphis on Tuesday, uh, I think you know that was going to get them in. I think one win in the tournament was going to get them in. Things could change. We don't know. We'll find out Monday when the sites are announced, but here's to ECU getting that regional berth. And Ben, I'm just as interested in seeing who will be in that regional bracket with ECU as I am seeing whether or not ECU even gets a regional berth. Really, really curious to see who ends up in Greenville should the Pirates host a regional. And again, we'll find out Monday. We'll see if Corey thinks the Pirates have done enough with that win 13-9 over Cincinnati on Wednesday, if that was enough to get them in. Again, 12.45 airtime tomorrow right here on 94.3 The Game. You can hear all the action with Corey Glore and the coach, Gary Overton. And again, looking like the Pirates will take on UCF coming up tomorrow. The kickoff time for ECU's 2021 home opener against South Carolina on September 11th has been set for 12 noon. That's going to be a hot one, Ben. Hot day at Dowdy Ficklin, but it's going to be a fun one. 
when SEC South Carolina comes to town. That game will be televised on ESPN2. That kickoff time was announced today by the American Athletic Conference and the American and its primary television partners also assigned start times for four other ECU games that were among its early broadcast selection. That includes a pair of midweek matchups that feature 7.30 kickoffs. The Pirates will face Appalachian State in the season opener 98 days from today. So football is right around the corner. The Pirates and Appalachian State in the 2021 Dukes-Mayo Classic on ESPNU from Charlotte. Ben, that's going to be a fun game. I think every year I love when ECU gets those regional opponents in non-conference action, and what a way to start to get Appalachian State. Uh, two great fan bases coming together in Charlotte for that game at Bank of America on September 2nd, and that game will kick off at 7.30 before the Pirates host South Florida on Thursday, or I should say the Pirates host South Florida on Thursday, October 28th, in a AAC matchup. That kickoff also announced for 7.30, and that game will be on ESPN. I'm excited about this season, Ben. 20 of 22 starters are back for ECU. This football season, I think I, I think it's anyone would say this may be the most excited they've been about ECU football over the course of the past four or five seasons. Wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, because we've been saying it for the past two seasons. I mean, this is probably going to be the year we're going to start seeing the tides kind of turn in Mike Houston's regime. And week one against App State, I mean, that's going to be a good game in terms of seeing it's going to be kind of like a measuring point to see how far Houston's kind of regime and team has come. And it, how Based on how they play on that in that game, it's going to prove uh, how far they, they, they've really came under Mike Houston's uh, regime here. The pieces are in place. Again, 20 of 22 starters back for Mike Houston. The only losses for the Pirates, Blake Prohl, defensive end Chris Willis, the only starters not returning for this season. Of course, Holton Aylers back. Tyler Sneed back, C.J. Johnson back, Rajay Harris in the backfield, Keaton Mitchell. We think and we hope the offensive line is much improved from a season ago. We're hearing that this offensive line looks the part this season. We hope that that transitions to better play on the field. I feel like it will. I think Coach Steve Shankweiler has worked really hard in the offseason to get these guys ready to go for what should be an exciting run for ECU baseball, I mean, football. And defensively, too, you get uh, Rick DeBreu's uh, back. You get uh, Xavier Smith there at linebacker. Uh, Jaquan McMillan on the back end for the Pirates. So this football team, Ben, has the pieces in place to make some noise this season. Really curious to see, too, how the media, which, to be honest with you, I could care less at how the v- media views ECU in the preseason and where they may get chosen to finish in the American Conference, but really curious to see where they're picked to finish this season. That media poll uh, will be out uh, not too long from now. We're approaching the summer months, and uh, it's uh, it's time for football. So well, we, get, we know they're going to be disrespectful. I mean, they usually are. So well, it could be, could be, and, and likely so. But we'll have to wait and see. Again, Appalachian State and ECU seven thirty on September second. ECU in South Carolina here in Greenville on uh, September second at noon. Charleston Southern, that kickoff is set for 6 o'clock. South Florida, 7.30 on ESPN. And the Navy contest on the CBS Sports Network, that has been set for 3.30 as well. So looking forward to a good slate of uh, football this season for the Pirates. And it's a pretty good non-conference slate too, Ben. Appalachian State, South Carolina, Marshall, Charleston Southern. The first three games are going to be really tough games for the Pirates and the ECU. 
goes on the road two of those first three games. If you count that Charlotte game as a road game, which I mean, technically it is a road game, it's more of a home game for Appalachian State than it is Charlotte. And I think Bank of America is going to be rocking on both sides for both teams come September 2nd. Cannot wait to see the product that Mike Houston puts on the field this season. So we'll have more on that, and I'm sure that Patrick will uh, in the days and weeks to come here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Again, Corey Glore coming up in seven minutes from now. The ACC Baseball Championship, Ben, also continuing today in Charlotte. NC State in action tonight, taking on Pitt at 7 o'clock. Wolfpack playing good baseball right now, 28-15 and 15 on the season. They've won six of their last seven games. We'll see how they finish and where they may end up when that field is announced on Monday. And Notre Dame, I was asking my wife last night, when did Notre Dame become good in baseball? I, I just I missed that. I think I, they were picked in the preseason to finish last in the Were ACC. they really? Yeah. Wow. So they're playing really, really good baseball right now. And it's so odd to see Clemson, whose last game was last night, not playing in the postseason it's just, it's, it's odd to see. So the ACC baseball landscape has changed somewhat, but we'll see if NC State can keep up uh, their hot pace tonight when they take on Pitt. And you mentioned uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, they were picked as one of the uh, 20 to potentially hosts, and they've kind of played their way out of that. I mean, they've not played well I hear as of late. So that's one less team that uh, EC has to worry about when it comes to the field of 16 that are going to get by in that from that 20. Exactly right. On the ice tonight, the Carolina Hurricanes back in action in Nashville for Game 6 of their first-round playoff series with the Predators. Canes have a 3-2 series lead and can advance tonight with a win. The last three games, Ben, as you well know, in this series have gone to overtime, and the home team has been victorious in each of those contests. But did you know this, Ben? And you probably did because you follow hockey a lot closer than what I do. The Hurricanes have never lost a playoff series when they lead three games to two. Did you know that? I did not know that. Never lost a series in franchise history when they lead three games to two. We'll see if the Canes can close things out tonight. It was a Jordan Stahl goal, just 2-0-3 into the extra frame Tuesday night that gave the Canes a 3-2 series lead. It's been a fun series to watch, and I know you and PJ have talked about Everyone jumping on the Hurricanes bandwagon here in the playoffs, as is the case. I don't follow hockey as much during the regular season. Yeah. And I don't follow it really at all unless the Hurricanes are in the playoffs. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, do you watch it a lot during the regular season? I actually was at the uh, the most recent game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the Hurricanes. But uh, the big difference maker, uh, especially uh, here in this, in this series, is Jacob Slavin coming back. And he was back in this most recent game. And I think that was the huge... That was the thing that kind of got him over the hump because the defense in those two overtime losses was really struggling, and it's definitely been a huge step up with getting Slavin back, one of the premier defensemen in the league. And I think tonight's the night they're going to finally get it done and secure the series victory and move on to Tampa Bay. They're getting some hits too, man. So this this Hurricanes team is is a good hockey team. So hopefully they can get a win tonight. I think they want to do that, but if they don't, it will force a Game 7 back in Raleigh. Will that game be Saturday? Is that right? I don't know exactly when that game will be, but it will, I think it'll, it'll take a day off or travel, come back, and play Saturday if there is a Game 7 in that series. The PGA Tour this week in Fort Worth, Texas for the Charles Schwab Challenge. Not the best round one showing today for Harold Varner III. HV3 fired a 4-over-74 today, just two birdies on the day for Harold, so we'll keep an eye on him coming up uh, in round two to see if he can make the cut there in Fort, in Fort Worth. Jordan Spieth right now, the round one leader after a 7-under-63. PGA champion Phil Mickelson, a three-over round one, I believe. 
And Ben Goff has had a little buzz over the last week or so with Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship and the apparent flap between Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. Everyone has likely seen the video of Kepka being interviewed by Todd Lewis on the Golf Channel when DeChambeau walks behind Kepka during the interview, resulting in a few expletives that Brooks Kepka let go. Of course, we can't play those back on the radio for you. But then after the announcement was made that Tom Brady would be paired with Phil Mickelson and Aaron Rodgers would team up with DeChambeau as part of Capital One's The Match, Kepka decided to react to that news on Twitter, tweeting at Aaron Rodgers saying, sorry, bro. <laughs> so, you know, I, DeChambeau's, I don't think he's the most well-liked guy on tour. I'm not sure Kepka is either. But this is one of those, like, it's almost like a NASCAR feud. You have two drivers that, that dislike each other for certain reasons and it trickles over into the following week and, and weeks to come. So it's, it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, you know, fans looking at it from the outside, on the outside looking at it thinking, you know, these two guys hate each other. I think it's good for golf. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. It's, it's, it's fun to see. So uh, right now, though, at the, uh, at the Charles Schwab, uh, Jordan Spieth with a 7-under oh, uh, round one lead there in Fort Worth. Following, speaking of golf, following our conversation today with Corey Glore, we're going to speak, we're going to revisit an interview from this morning's talk of the town on our sister station, 103.7, Arthur Tripp Bowden stopped by to discuss his new book, Hey Tiger, You Need to Move Your Mark Back, Nine Simple Words That Changed the Game of Golf Forever. It's a great story about the 1996 U.S. Amateur Championship between Steve Scott and Tiger Woods at Pumpkin Ridge. It's a story that many golf fans may not be aware of, but I think it's one that, as I told Tripp this morning, needs to be told. It's a great story about how they're on the 34th hole of that match, Ben, Steve Scott hits his shot in. Tiger hits his shot in. Uh, Tiger's closer than Steve Scott is, so Scott asks Tiger to mark his ball. Tiger obliges, marks it. Scott putts, but then Tiger is about to putt from where he moved his mark. If you do that, you lose the hole. If he does that, he loses the match, and he doesn't win his third U.S. Amateur Championship. But before he putts, Scott says, Hey, Tiger, you forgot to move your mark back. So then he moves it back. Of course, he goes on to make the putt. He beats Steve Scott. And think about that. Phil Knight was standing by on the, uh, there on the, uh, on the green waiting to give Tiger that $40 million Nike contract after that happened. Who knows what would have happened had Tiger lost that. He may have still that got it. That could have changed the landscape of golf. No doubt about that. No, about, no doubt about that. So we'll listen to that interview coming up after we speak with Corey Glore, who's going to come up after this break here on the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm Trent McGee in for PJ this afternoon. Stay with us. Corey Glore on the other side. You're listening to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Coverage with Clay Travis and the Dan Patrick Show. You guys are awesome. Weekday mornings on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com. I'm Trent McGee in for PJ this evening. Ben Byron producing this afternoon's show. We go live now to Clearwater, Florida. Just in between, or just west of Tampa, I believe, and happy to have the voice of ECU baseball, Corey Glore, on the phone with us. And Corey, I presume you are sitting somewhere on Clearwater Beach with a nice cold beverage of choice in hand. 
Uh, you're one of two correct. I am on the beach currently. The beverage I am withholding for the time being. I'm a professional like that. I understand. Good answer. After four hours and 19 minutes of baseball on Wednesday, you, you probably need a drink or two. That was a long game for you on Tuesday, was it not? It was lengthy, and it was uh, it was rather exciting. Uh, it, was, it was one of the wildest games I feel of the year yesterday, and uh, every minute of that four hours and 19 or whatever it was was pretty intense by and large, even when it was a 10-run lead at one point. But you just kind of knew that that game even then wasn't done yet, and it very much turned out not to be the case. Well, you know, you and Coach O kept mentioning that during the broadcast that Cincinnati has a kind of lineup that can put runs up at any point during the game, and they did just that. However, when EC was up 11-1 to and had that big fifth inning of walks and it really just wasn't good play by the Bearcats, I really thought ECU had that game in hand, but it turned out not to be the case. Now, ECU did snap a three-game losing skid with that win on Wednesday. And so let's address the elephant in the room in regard to ECU baseball, Corey, was Wednesday's win enough to solidify the Pirates as a top 16 national seed? Yeah, I, I mean, I felt pretty good about it even heading in. I think a loss yesterday certainly would have made things a little bit more nerve-wracking. But with what they've done this year and with some of the results now that across college baseball in the last you know week, week and a half, a lot of those, you know, a good number of those group of 20 outside of ECU have almost played themselves out of the mix. Uh, Pitt has played themselves out. South Carolina might have dropped out. And now Charlotte went 0-2 in their tournament, so they might have just been pushed out of the mix. So, you know, I felt pretty good heading in. I think yesterday would pretty much lock in uh, a top 16 seed come Sunday. And we'll find out Monday when the field of 64 is announced. Connor Norby continued his toward pace on Wednesday Leading off the game with a home run for the second consecutive game. He now has three home runs in the tournament, 15 on the season, batting 425, one of the hottest hitters in the country. Has there been anyone hotter than Norby is right now in your time with ECU baseball? I mean, I, you know, Bryant Packard in 2018 came close to what Connor's been doing, but, but I think what gets me here with Connor is that. It, it, no type of pitch, no pitch location seems to really phase the guy. He knows what to do with anything that's thrown his way. And he's hit three home runs. He pulled one to left on Tuesday, and then he sent a couple out the opposite way yesterday. And he, he played the wind in the ballpark. He, he pulled one to left. The wind was going that way, blowing out to right yesterday and he sent a tube of out that way. He, he's so savvy and so intelligent at the plate not just expecting what pitch is coming, but knowing what to do with it. That He's he's probably the best all-around hitter I've seen in my time calling this program. ECU baseball play-by-play voice Corey Glore live with us right now from Clearwater, Florida. Corey, what's the latest on the status, if you know, or can give us any insight on Gavin Williams and Carson Wisenhunt? Well, I, the latest I got is it will be one of those two tomorrow. And I, I don't know, that has not been locked in yet. I'm not sure if they're waiting to see who they're going to play yet, which looks to be Memphis. UCF is out in pretty big lead right now in that game. Um, so it might be a rematch with Memphis, but um, it, it will be either or. That was a, that Cliff said that earlier on today. I, I don't know what the logic will be to choose one over the other here because both will be on normal rest and Gavin would be on a day extra rest if he throws tomorrow. So um, I, maybe it's just waiting to see who, who might be looming in the wings here. Maybe it's waiting to see how these two guys feel. 
Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but they have not made a call yet. UCF right now with a big lead over the Tigers. And if you had your choice, Corey, would you want to play Memphis tomorrow or would you want to take on UCF? Of course, coming off that 11-1 to loss on Tuesday. Uh, if you could choose one of those two, or do you think the Pirates match up after the way they played yesterday with either one of those teams better than the other? Well, I'll say this. I, I think if, it's, if it winds up being Memphis tomorrow, and it looks as though that's going to be the case, I think this team will play with uh, their hair on fire a little bit after what happened Tuesday. Like They won't be shell-shocked by the Tigers like they were to start this tournament. So if they see them tomorrow, I get the sense they're going to put together a, a really impressive effort against them. doesn't mean they'll necessarily win, but they're going to look a lot better than what they did on Tuesday. Um, but that said, I, you know, if you're able to beat the Tigers Friday, then you got to try and knock down UCF twice on Saturday. And that, to me, is a little bit of a bigger challenge than if you reverse the situation. I think they can knock off UCF tomorrow. If they see him for one game, seeing him for two games on Saturday, that's going to be a challenging operation there. But you got to get through tomorrow first. Um, I think that they are, they are happy to get to Friday after what happened on Tuesday. Um, and if it's the Tigers, I think you're going to see a team that kind of has an edge back after what happened to open this tournament. Uh, and then they'll worry about Saturday if they get there. 14 hits for the Pirates on Wednesday compared to just five on Tuesday. And only two Pirates have collected multiple hits through two games in Clearwater. Is the average offensive production a concern for you as the Pirates get set for NCAA tournament play next week? No, I, I'm not terribly concerned about it yet because it felt, you know, during that three-game skid to end the series in Tampa and then the first game of this uh, tournament, you can just kind of sense there, there was a little bit of a lack of focus from the group, and, and they locked back in yesterday. That, that When this team locks in, when this team is really focused in on the, mat, and the matter at hand offensively, they're, they're, there's nobody that can really stop them. And, and that's what they showed yesterday. And, and I think... You know, it, it took a couple of games. They're an exhausted team, but once they realized that they were up against it here in this tournament, they came out and, and swung the bats the way we've seen them throughout the course of the year. Now that now that the pressure was on a little bit more, uh, they stepped their game up. And so I, I'm not at that level uh, of concern. H- had yesterday been a little bit more of what we had seen over the last week, then yeah, I would have been worried. But yesterday offensively felt more like the team we're used to seeing. Corey, you and Coach O have had some great calls this season, and the season is far from over. Up to this point, though, just curious, what's been your favorite moment for ECU baseball this season up to this point? Well, I'll say this. I mean, Thursday in Tampa was such a, a crazy day, that doubleheader day, and Ben can probably attest to this um, because he was running the show that day where – you entered that day with a half-game lead for the conference title, and by the final inning of the day, suddenly a conference championship was right in your hand. And so the way that day unfolded was was really crazy. And to call the, them winning a conference title, and that team had no idea that they had even won it yet, um, that was one of the, the more um, unique moments. I feel that I've called in my time doing this program over six years. Uh, that was a lot of fun on Thursday from start to finish against USF. You know, I go back to um, that North Carolina game this year in Greenville, the last non-conference game of the year. That was one of the crazier games of the season, and that was one of the more exhilarating victories as well. 
Um, there have been a lot of those types of moments that have built up throughout over the course of the year. But tell you what, Thursday it was hard to top. When Cliff Godwin goes through eight pitchers, do you ever think to yourself he may call me to come down and pitch at some point because he's, <laughs> he's going through so many guys? Well, I've, yeah, I, I've told him, like, I, I've been doing a little rec, rec league softball pitching here <laughs> over the spring. And so I said, if you need me, I have eligibility. Um, he has not called upon me yet. Uh, it is better for all involved. I mean, the way that this team was able to, to find their way through 27 outs yesterday – that was some. That was that was a work of art because their the pitching was thin from the get go, and, and they threw some guys out there like Zach Agnos who hadn't pitched in three months, and just finding a way to hang on to that one. That was the epitome of uh, a team effort yesterday, and luckily they have not needed me yet. Well, I can tell you what, Corey. It's ninety five degrees here this afternoon. It's hot. It's muggy. You know how it feels in Eastern Carolina when it's that hot. You're on the beach in Clearwater. I'm sure it's low 80s. I'm sure it's great weather. Enjoy yourself. 12.45 airtime tomorrow, 1 o'clock first pitch for ECU. Corey Glory and Coach O. Gary Overton on the call right here on 94.3 The Game. Looking forward to hearing you tomorrow. Corey, thanks for spending some time with us this afternoon. You were in the mid-80s, I'd say, right now. No humidity to speak uh, of, so you enjoy that up there. I'll enjoy this down here. I'll uh, talk to you all jealous, tomorrow. Man. Thanks, CG. Have a good one. That's Corey Glore, the play-by-play voice of ECU baseball. And I tell you what, they have been – you can't ask for better weather for this AAC baseball championships and what they're getting right now in Clearwater. So it sounds like Corey Ben's having a good time. It sounded like he was on the beach. You could hear the wind blowing in the background. Hey, he's living it up down there. Good for him. Good for him. You know, the Pirates need to have a lot of good things happen for them. Um, well, listen, they're not going to be a top-eight national seat. Let's just go ahead and address that right now. I, it's something just – unbelievable would have to happen, and I just don't see uh, there being enough time right now with the way the teams are playing in front of them for them to have a chance to be a top-eight national seat. At one point this season, I thought there's a chance this team could possibly be one of those. Oh yeah. Now, the big concern for me has been the Pirates have not fared very well on the road this season. They've been very good, 27-4 and at Clark LeClaire Stadium this season. Very good team at home. That's why I think I like their chances in a regional despite Who's coming to Greenville? I still like their chances here. But yeah, I just wonder how they're going to fare when they have to go on the road. Should they advance in the regional win? You know, it's Gavin Williams has pitched so good. And yeah. I think when you look at teams across the country who are playing really, really good baseball right now, Arkansas, Texas, Vanderbilt, uh, some of the usual suspects, if you will, Mississippi State, they have a couple of good aces. A couple of good aces. ECU has one very solid ace and some good guys behind him. Gavin Williams is one of the best in the country. Some of those teams up front have a couple of guys you can you put on the mound and say, this guy can go win a, a baseball game. So, you know, I think the pitching can hold up. Everybody stays healthy. And if the bats can respond or the offense can respond to someone other than Gavin Williams, whoever it may be on the mound, this team has a chance. I mean, this is a good baseball team. I think Cliff Godwin believes in this team. I think they believe in each other, and it was good to see them bounce back in the way they did on on uh, on Wednesday after what was a not uh, a not very good performance on Tuesday. In fact, I no one saw that coming. Yeah, I mean Memphis is a team that ECU swept in the regular season, beat them four games, and you know hats off to Memphis. They played a great baseball game. It just seemed like that was ECU team, came out flat in that game. That was a team that only had six wins in the conference, so that was that was mind boggling. Yeah, so it was certainly surprising uh, surprising defeat there at the hands of uh, of Memphis, but. Could get another crack at the Tigers tomorrow. We'll find out. 1 o'clock, first pitch tomorrow again, 12.45 airtime, 
right here on 94.3 The Game. We'll take a break. When we come back, that interview I mentioned earlier with Trip Bowden, golf author, talking about his new book, Hey Tiger, You Need to Move Your Mark Back, Nine Games, uh, Nine Words That Changed the Game of Golf Forever. Trip, in fact, Ben, is a former caddy at Augusta National, has some great, I've heard Trip speak before, some great stories he has about Augusta National. So if you're, if you're a golf fan, stay tuned for this. Also makes for a great Father's Day gift, too, if you're looking for one. We'll find out more about that on the other side. I'm Trent McGee. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com, to listen to The Patrick Johnson Show weekdays at 5. It might be crap, but we love it! Or tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Big time golf books, including Freddie and Me, which was the um, the book he wrote about being a caddy at Augusta National with the famous uh, Freddie, who was a uh, caddy with him. And now he's got a new book entitled "Hey Tiger, You Need to Move Your Mark Back: Nine Simple Words That Changed the Game of Golf Forever." How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Well, welcome back to uh, Greenville. Nice to see uh, you. Appreciate it. You still, you still live in Augusta? I still am. Yeah, that's home. I always be, okay. How long has it been since you caddied at Augusta? Oh gosh, uh, my last season was 1995. Yeah, you don't miss don't it. Want, I miss it every day. Do you really? Yeah, you loved it that much. It was that magical. It was uh, every day was like brand new, and to step on those hallowed grounds and walk where the greats have walked, and yeah, oftentimes I was out there. We caught it first thing smoking, and I was out there the first one, and walk out the first tee and just look around, and it's. I don't know. It's, it's like it's like heaven. Do you still have pull at Augusta National? Can you still go out there and kind of? I had people who know who you are. A lot of pull. In other words, can you get McGee on? <laughs> I, uh, that'd be a no. In, in the old days, uh, I had a, a tremendous amount of pull. But uh, this actually, uh, if I may reach over and grab my mask. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, got this from a friend of mine. This is a, says the, for the radio audience. It's an Augusta National mask. Nice. And it's what the employees have to wear. So when I went out there on Monday, I was able to go out there on Monday, uh, this tournament, with my son, thanks to um, my wife's uncle, who the scorer out there. And I was wearing that mask, and they thought I was an employee. So I could go anywhere but Burton's place. <laughs> because you had the mask. I had the mask on. So I was just walking to pro shops. I was walking in the clubhouse. And just, uh, I'm working here. Yeah. And I was, of course, I, I was dressed up like can this. Can I borrow that mask? <laughs> you need this mask. Yeah, I definitely need it. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny to hear you talk about uh, your feeling, having grown up in Augusta and then worked there, it's funny to hear you talk about your feelings about it being magical still to you. I'm, I, don't, I wonder if everybody feels that. It's just we golfers who feel that way. But, I mean, you know, golf courses are magical places to golfers anyway. But mm-hmm. Augusta National does have magic to it. But, you know, you would think working there every day like you did that it would just be kind of become another place to go to work. It didn't ever become that, huh? No, it didn't. And that's a great question. But it, it, to me, as my dad always said, if you love it, it's not work. And he was a surgeon until he was 80 years old. And he said he would you know, mm-hmm. lay down the knife when he got it one morning and said, I don't want to go to work. Right. And he just recently retired, right. but it, to me, it was never like work. It was, and I couldn't believe they paid me to do it, even though, granted, I'm lugging a big old trunk on my shoulder up these crazy hills and the elevations yeah. out there. Like you don't realize how you know, sloped and elevated it is on TV, obviously. But like, just for instance, from the bottom of 18 to the back of the flag on on the green is uh, 11 stories. 
That's wow. a lot. Well, that's it is. a lot. That is a lot. But you know, I got paid to do it. And it was just it was cash money too, which was great. I, we we were talking about yeah, the God, the caddies make pretty good money. Back back then, um, you had to work your butt off to make good. They make crazy money now, but it, you only yeah. got thirty five bucks for eighteen holes. But it was cash. Oh man. And there was no tipping. So, but just so I just, I just, uh, we were talking about earlier this week. I, I just played Eagle Point Saturday, and of course, you use caddies at Eagle Point. Mm. And one of the caddies called into the show was it Monday or Tuesday? Tom Brill. Tim brought Tom Brill, who actually was Phil Mickelson's assistant golf coach at Arizona State. He's now a caddy and down at, at Eagle Point really? in Wilmington. Yeah. And but but having been, I was talking to him about this when he was on here. Having been down there, I, I have a real respect for those guys. You guys. The caddy. I mean, those guys really know the golf course. They work really hard, and uh, it's got to be an interesting life, though. It's a. I honestly didn't know how those guys like stay alive and had a home and things like that. I mean, I was lucky enough to uh, live in a crappy apartment just down the street on Berkman Road, so my rent wasn't that bad. But, but like I said, it was cash money, and I remember going into uh, an Applebee's uh, on a Monday night, and it's uh, Dollar Draft night. You know, one buck for 16-ounce beer. And I was like, sweet. I had like a pocket full of cash money. I said, on me, baby. <laughs> and I was looking around, I was like, what? White boy going to buy all the beer? I said, man, I got it. So I'm pulling that cash. Were you the only white caddy? I was the first uh, white caddy to Gus National, yes. The first. Uh, there's some and now? There are, uh, yeah, the, uh, the honkies took over. Uh, and now they're <laughs> the honkies. Mostly. Yeah, they're mostly white guys out there now. In fact, a lot of Is them, that right? That's interesting. And they don't know what the hell they're doing. No offense. The, guys. the, the original guys are better? Oh, by far. By far. Yeah. Well, that was their life. That was, it was an art to them. It was, it was all they knew, and it was all they yeah. did. And, and yeah. Freddie was kind enough to put me out with guys that had won the Masters, and they showed me the breaks on the greens. And as I mentioned earlier on your show that, you know, you don't read them, you remember them. They do the same thing yeah. every single time. Yeah. And they did. I can still read them from outside of the ropes during the tournament. You, you got a new book. Uh, but uh, talk about how you got into writing. Why did you decide to start writing? So I wouldn't get anything else. <laughs> well, actually, I got into writing it. Because you, you were fond of eating? Is that what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to eat. No, actually, uh, my first memory of writing was in third grade. Uh, the girl was Ginger Claxton, and I wrote a story uh, about the electric eels, which I stole the idea from an Archie's comic book. And it was the E group, mm-hmm. like chicken soup, will cure whatever ails you. Our music's loud, we please the crowd, our music never fails you. That was the lyric, which also I plagiarized, so that. <laughs> and I wrote a story about it, and she was in the story, but I made the mistake, instead of putting her in the band, she became a groupie. Mm-hmm. Which I thought would be great, because she'd be digging me, right? Well, that was a very bad idea, and it didn't work. <laughs> so my first uh, entry into the writing world was a failure. What was your first book? First uh, book, uh, it actually was called Greyhound Jesus. Greyhound Jesus? Greyhound Jesus. What was that about? And the Perpetual Care Fund. It was about uh, a kid who gets struck by lightning and becomes the new Messiah and is trying to play in the Masters to bring Christ back to earth and Christ back comes back to earth. But the whole idea of it was, like, you know, we all, well, if you're Christian, you believe in the, you know, the resurrection and the world to come and all that. And, but I had the idea, well, if, if Christ came back earth was he's supposed to come to earth you know sooner point. than later I sooner think. than later and if he knocks <laughs> on your door and said i'm jesus christ would you let him in i'm like i don't know if i do it would so that's kind of the premise around especially that. today would you, you believe know, yeah especially yeah. today would you believe that it was really him and, and that was kind of how the story 
revolved around. It's like fifteen hundred pages, and um, no one wanted to touch it. And then, and, and what's he going to look like when he comes back? Because you know, it was that movie George Burns did where he came back as oh George. God, yeah. <laughs> oh God, it's me. <laughs> Remember that? I think it's it John, let's hope not. John Denver, uh, George Burns movie. I, I mean, but he's, like the dude from uh, when he comes back, what's he going to look like? You know? <laughs> Eddie Vedder. I think he look like Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Eddie Vedder. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, Trip Bowden, the uh, famous mm-hmm. author here in Greenville today, and and your new book is Hey Tiger, you need to move your mark back. Nine simple words that changed the golf of uh, game of golf forever, and this is about the 1996 United States Amateur Championship. Tell uh, and, and why why'd you re- write this one? It's a wild story how that happened. Um, I met Steve in Augusta at the annual Pig Bowl. Steve Scott. Steve Scott at, at Augusta oh, at my dad's house, the annual Pig Bowl which is on Tuesday nights that the Outpost Club puts on. And then I see him again the next year, and he's got a podcast going, and he interviews me on some stuff about Augusta. And then he asked me to speak to his uh, Silver Pod Golfing Society at uh, Champions Retreat in December. And we're all sitting around the table, just having dinner and casually talking and whatnot. And I'm telling Augusta stories, and he starts to tell this story about uh, well, tell tell, folks who, tell 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 people who Steve Scott is. They don't assume people know who that is. Oh, he's uh well now he's a head, head pro for the Outpost Club. Um, he was at one time actually the year after this match happened, he became the number one amateur in the world. Right. Tiger went on to, as we know, win the 1997 uh, Masters tournament by twelve shots, which is pretty amazing. And poor Steve missed the cut, but Steve's made a great life for himself in, in golf. He's a wonderful teacher. He, is he uh, is he the person that said, "Hey, Tiger, move your mark back"? Yes. He's the one who did it. He's the one who said it, and he's and he's telling me this story. It's on the thirty fourth hole of the USAM. The match is on the line, and Tiger's ball mark or ball is in Steve's way, so he moves it one to the right, and then Steve makes his putt, and he looks over as he's walking off the green and realizes that Tiger's putting his ball down, you know. Right, in the wrong spot. In the wrong spot instead of moving it. Now, for golfer, for, for non-golfers, if you don't know what we're talking about, if 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 someone's ball is behind your ball, that you ask that if, if they're in front of your ball and, and you're away, which means you're going to putt first. Right. You know, it's it's etiquette for him to to kind of measure maybe a putter head or yeah, something over to, to the left or right. You ask the guy, you want me to move it left or right, and he'll tell you where to move it. You move it one putter head to the sure. to the right. So it, the your mark will not be in his line when he puts. So this is what was happening in the amateur. Exactly. And sure. and and then you have to move the mark back before you putt, or you get penalized. You lose the hole. Yeah. And with a match at at three and two, if he puts from that spot, he loses. Steve wins. Right. So Steve stays silent. He wins the U.S. Amateur. So he didn't have to say anything, and he would have he, yeah. he would have won, and t- Tiger would have <laughs> no, lost. Nobody knows it but Steve, not even the announcers. Right. I mean, nobody. Yeah, I was like, not even Tiger. I was telling uh, Trip, you know, you can go back and watch highlights of this match, and, you know, I don't think anyone realizes at the time of the 34th hole that this is actually happening, you know, and so yeah. it's a story that needed to be told. And this right? is the, this is the, this is essentially the event that turned Tiger into Tiger Woods national, yeah. internationally, right? And the next day he does the uh, Nike interview and says, hello world. But uh, interesting thing to note is Phil Knight was there watching every step of the way and he had a $40 million dollar contract. The CEO of Nike. Right. Yeah. There's quotes actually on the, on the right, front cover that, there. Yeah. And he actually had a $40, $40 million contract in his hand. <clears throat> And if Tiger loses in such a boneheaded way, there's no way he's handing him that contract. And even Tiger said, if, if I would have lost, I wouldn't have turned pro. So to me, the golf world changed forever because Steve said what he said. And I 
I've asked myself many times, you know, what I've said it. It wasn't like they were like buddies or anything. Mm-hmm. Tiger didn't even say anything but thank you to him all day. Yeah. He didn't speak. Didn't think, he never said nice shot to Steve to nothing. All right, so I just got my copy of the book yesterday. McGee's seven, chap- all, yeah, seven, seven chapters in. So yeah. uh, you probably have some questions, but is the book entirely about that incident? It's uh, about that incident, but it's also about Steve's life leading up to that moment, Steve's life after. And he has okay. a nice little quote in there. Um, I spent many an interview with him. Uh, and it talks about uh, you can win in life without actually winning. His mm-hmm. life turned out fantastic, even though, I mean, if you think about it. If, you, if he'd have stayed silent, he's a U.S. Amateur champion, and no, no telling what would have happened. The contract might have been handed to him. Yep. No one's ever won three U.S. Amateurs in a row. No. Now, uh, even though Bobby Jones won five, there were nine in a row. Uh, Nicholas won two. They were opposite years, but no one was ever. I mean, he's, he made history. Yeah. Did. Uh, <clears throat> do Steve Scott and Tiger Woods have any kind of relationship at all now? I'm not, I'm not that far in the book. I don't know if he addresses that or not, but hmm. so they don't even. Tiger Woods never even said thank you. Oh, no, really? Yeah. I mean, not, not to put throw Tiger in the bus. That's unfortunate. That, but he never. But see, which, that's just the way it was you know, brought Which up. leads us to what's happening in the golf world right now. Two questions for you. Number one, is Tiger finished? If anybody can come back from what happened to him, it's him. He'd be the only one. But but I mean, how many comebacks do you have left? You know, he's he's already come back three or four times. Well, I, but I, this I, one this one's bad, and I don't think we know the real story. Do you? No, we don't know. We don't know the real story of what happened when he crashed that car. Mm-hmm. If we find out the real story, I think it's it finished. It was, it was but, very very bizarre what happened to him. Right. Not, I, mean, my, I know he's still on crutches, and that that says a lot right there because it's been a while. And my other question is, how about? What do you think of Mickelson winning the uh, PGA Championship at age 50? I think it's freaking amazing considering he missed the cut at the, at the Masters where the fairways are – you could land airplanes in those fairways. That's the last place I thought he would win because I played the ocean course, and it's a beast. It is. I he's wild. Too. Yeah. March hair off the tee, but yeah, his short game's amazing. Yeah. He, he looks better now than he ever has. He and does he, look good, doesn't he? He looks thinner. He looks like he's in shape. Doesn't look like he's 50. No, he doesn't. He, sure. he doesn't. And he played I think as he's well put, as he did in his I do 20s. think he's putting hair color in there. <clears throat> I did not. You know, I can I can detect the hair color. I think I think he's washed, I think washing that gray right out of his hair. I think I think Mickelson's putting in hair color. He looked good. All right, uh, Trent Bowden in town today signing books. Great Father's Day gift for you. It's called Hey Tiger. You need to move your mark back. Nine simple words that change the game of golf forever. Uh, I'm going to read this this weekend. And, and Scott's game really didn't elevate. I mean, he's a good golfer. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love how you talk about how uh, he grew up with Ray. Ray taught him what he learned, played at Florida, you know, goes on to face Tiger, the 96 Amateur Championship. But um, beyond that, people not, not really know who Steve Scott even is. You know, now, the, It bothers me that, he, that Tiger didn't thank him. That's mind-blowing to me. I mean, and now is Tiger going to read this book and call you guys up and go, hey, I did thank him. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, Steve Scott, you talk about Steve Scott, nobody knew who he is. Uh, the technology was changing really strongly at, at that time, and, and his game was built around, you know, like the old way of, of shot makers and the spinny ball and all that, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that whole world changed, and now it just became a bomber's yeah. game, and, and his strengths became his weakness. Because Tiger was still out playing and out driving him by fifty to seventy yards, you know, per tee shot, and yeah, it's it's an unbelievable. And, and story. Like, yeah, one like Steve was hitting it short. I mean, he's hitting yeah. it two seventy, two eighty, and Tiger's yeah, yeah. out there hitting it three thirty. Back when nobody hit it three thirty. Oh, that's true. All right, man. Good to see you. Thanks for coming great. by. No, I you look great. Thanks. You look like appreciate Todd Howell dressed you. He did. He did. And actually, uh, if I can do a shameless plug, I don't know if you can see this on TV, but oh, he's got his master's yeah. pants on. These are all farmers' pants. That he actually wore them. Yeah, nineteen seventy-two. No You're joke. wearing pants that Arnie wore? 
No joke. Uh, the pro, those are sacred. The pro at Augusta had these pants made especially for Arnie. And Arnie went out on Monday and shot 80 wearing these pants. Comes back in the pro shop or in the, back into Freddie's office and said, I'm sorry, I, I can't wear these. They got bad, they got bad juju. <laughs> bad karma. I'm paraphrasing. He said, like, these are bad. Mm-mm. <laughs> so he just drops dry out, takes them off, and hands them back to the pro, puts his pants back on, and walks out the door. And my dad's standing there with Freddie. And he took in a chair. <laughs> and the pro goes, Doc, you want some pants? And he said, sure. <laughs> so he threw them to my dad. And my dad had them for years. Until That's he, awesome. Al Groom would have got a little gut on him there. And he gave them to me about 15 years ago. How about that? Wow. These are really, in fact, they got the. If I had known you were wearing Arnold Palmer's pants, I'd have felt much differently about this interview. I would have felt it was. The V-cut? Oh, they got the V-cut. Yeah, they're yeah, they're like real, golf like yeah, yeah. real golf pants. Real golf pants. Awesome. All right, Trip. thank you, man. Thank you, appreciate Tripp, it. Trip Bowden. Thank you. Ben Barham here for your 94th inning game sports update. We start from the AAC Baseball Championships. It's Game 7 between the 8-seeded Memphis and 5th-seeded UCF just wrapped up. The loser of this game plays the Pirates tomorrow at 1 o'clock. It looks like we're set for a rematch with Memphis as the Tigers suffered a beatdown at the hands of UCF. 17-1 and, of course, run-ruled in seven innings. We have some start times for Pirate football. Game 1 against App State and Charlotte on September 2nd. Set to kick off at 7.30 on ESPNU. The Pirates home matchup against South Carolina on September 11th set for a noon kickoff and wear on ESPN2. On September 25th, ECU host Charleston Southern. That game set for a 6 o'clock start on ESPN+. October 28th, the Pirates host USF with a 7.30 start on ESPN. And on November 11th, ECU travels to Annapolis to take on Navy. That matchup kicks off at 3.30 on the CBS Sports Network. Elsewhere in college football, a congressional bill has been proposed that will allow college athletes to form unions and become employees. And former LSU starting quarterback TJ Finley is transferring to Auburn. The NFL Reports indicate that the Falcons are asking for a first-round pick for wide receiver Julio Jones. Tarboro native Todd Gurley is reportedly meeting with the Detroit Lions today. A legendary kicker in the NFL's all-time leading scorer, Adam Vinatieri, is retiring after 24 seasons. From the NHL, the Carolina Hurricanes look to secure the series victory over the Predators. They head into Nashville with a 3-2 series lead. Puck drop for tonight's game is set for 9-30. Expect to start the net for the Preds, UC Soros. The games will continue to stick with rookie netminder Alex Ndelkovich. And from the PGA Tour, East alum Harold Vorner III had a disappointing opening round at the Charles Schwab Challenge. He finished four, under, four over 74 and tied for 100th place. The event's current leader is Jordan Spieth. He finished seven under through 63. Sergio Garcia is a shot behind through 13. That's going to do it for your 94th of the game sports update. I'm Ben Barm Trent here to wrap it up after this quick timeout. Testing, testing. Is this thing live? Outkick with Clay Travis, the Dan Patrick Show, and Adam Gold, all right here. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up right here on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3, the game. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3, the game. Closing up shop here on the Patrick Johnson Show. It's been a lot of fun with, to be with you, Ben, Trent, McGee, and I'll be back tomorrow assuming that the Pirates and what appears to be the Memphis Tigers don't have another four-hour marathon tomorrow. But again, you can follow all the action with of ECU baseball right here on 94.3 The Game, 12.45 air time, 1 o'clock first pitch for ECU and what appears to be the Memphis Tigers in a rematch of Tuesday's game. Interesting news on Todd Gurley. If he goes to Detroit, it'll be a reunion with his former running mate, Jared Goff. We'll see if that happens. And I wanted to mention, too, that uh, the announcement came down this afternoon that Premier Networks announced that Clay Travis and Buck Sexton will take over the Rush Limbaugh time slots. 
The program, The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show, will begin airing June 21st from 12 to 3, according to Premier Networks. That's a big get there for Clay Travis. And uh, very interesting news there. Everybody was wondering who would take over for the infamous Rush Limbaugh. Now we know it will be Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. And again, that show will begin airing on June 21st. Thanks again to Corey Glor, the voice of ECU baseball. You can hear Corey and Coach O tomorrow right here on 94.3 The Game as ECU looking to stay alive in the American Baseball Championships. Thanks again to Ben Byron. Ben, you make it easy. I appreciate your help. I'll be back with you tomorrow here on 94.3 The Game. Until then, have a great Thursday evening, and we'll see you tomorrow here on the Patrick Johnson Show.